In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Tomorrow we celebrate the feast day of, the, of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Jesus. We'll hear about that at Mass. I thought we could continue on with the week and consider the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which we'll celebrate on Friday. A feast which sums up the totality of the Christian message according to Pope Benedict XVI and, and some saints. Here's a description of the feast. The term sacred heart of Jesus denotes the entire mystery of Christ, the totality of his being and his person. Devotion to the sacred heart calls for a fundamental attitude of conversion and reparation, of love and gratitude, apostolic commitment, and dedication to Christ and his saving work. Everything. All of the Christian message is summed up in this description from, uh, from the Directory of Popular Piety and Liturgy, a church document. And then here's what Pope Benedict XVI says, the essential nucleus of Christianity is expressed in the heart of Jesus. In Christ, the whole of the revolutionary newness of the gospel was revealed and given to us. The love that saves us and already makes us live in God's eternity. Even our shortcomings, our limitations, and our weaknesses must lead us back to the heart of Jesus. His divine heart calls to our hearts, inviting us to come out of ourselves, to abandon our human certainties, to trust in him and following his example, to make of ourselves a gift of love without reserve. Everything. Lord, I want to live the fullness of the Christian life. I, therefore, Lord, I want to enter into your sacred heart. As St. Josemaria and others like to consider the piercing of our Lord's heart, the crucifixion, Now, we know after he had died, the, the soldier pierced his heart and outflowed water and blood, symbols of the sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist. And also that image of the heart being pierced as if, as if opening his heart even wider, making room for all of us. And as, as Pope Benedict XVI said here, all of our, our shortcomings, our limitations and our weaknesses Jesus in his mercy has room for all of us, and we should have mercy for all of those around us. And all of this in the context, this phrase here, there's these words of, of the Pope uh, Benedict, Pope Benedict struck me. Uh, 
already makes us live in God's eternity, already here on this earth, in a way we can, St. Josemaria liked to put it, steal a bit of heaven. By living in the heart of Jesus, we are touching God's eternity. The prelate of Opus Dei, Monsignor Fernando, Fernando Ocares, he, in one of his letters, he said, we have to strive to live with an air of eternity. As we go about our daily lives, trying to sanctify our work, our family situation, our friendships, our, our rest, everything, we should live with, with an air of eternity. Somehow this is connecting, connecting me to heaven. And, and I want to connect others to heaven. In the sacred heart of Jesus it compels us to have heart, to desire the best for the others. That's a little mini definition that St. Thomas Aquinas gives to charity, to will the good of the other. And what's, what's the best that the other can have? It's God. Am I trying to bring God to people? Do I have heart in that way? In the book of Ezekiel, we see the mercy of God, how much God wants to be with us, how, how much he wants us to be happy, truly happy. He wants us to have an attitude of conversion and reparation. I will take you, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Indeed, Lord, take this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Help me to truly love, to have heart. And... And, and hopefully that will be manifested in the way I live my life and the way I treat others, the patience, the, well, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, patience and understanding, long-suffering, charity, peace, modesty, all those fruits of the Holy Spirit can be a result of being open to the Holy Spirit, of course, and then to live, live the life of Christ, to be open to the love that he pours out to us from his sacred heart, to be within that I could call it a banquet, the party, the being with, uh, the Lord opens his heart for all of us to come in. And, and all of us with, with our weaknesses and, and our shortcomings. The Lord wants us there to purify us. But if we're there and he wants others to be there, we'll, we'll rub elbows with the weaknesses and shortcomings of others. How do I handle that? Do I have a heart of mercy? Or perhaps I'm a bit too quick to judge, to gossip, to fall into critical spirit. That's not the heart. Of, that's not the heart, sacred heart of Jesus. It's not even fun. The Lord wants us to have fun, to rejoice. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, Pilar Urbano, who wrote a book about about Saint Josemaria, member of Opus Dei. A book called The Man of Villatevre, the place where St. Josemaria lived much of his life there in Rome. 
At the beginning of her book, she writes, like Nietzsche, you said that you could only believe in a God who could dance. Well, I assure you he can. I have known a man who danced with God. This is the way she describes the life of St. Josemaria, a man who danced with God. There's a certain sense of adventure that St. Josemaria lived, very close to the sacred heart of Jesus. And he, had, he suffered. The dance was sometimes, I don't know, is a dirge a dance? I don't know, it's a musical style. But anyway, sometimes the dances were not all that easy to and to carry out. And sometimes we don't feel like dancing. Well, we should. Being with God, we, we should dance with God. We should rejoice with God. And for that, we, we, we can't do it with a, a heart of stone. Lord, take this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. That's a real prayer. That, that's not just a nice idea or metaphor. We should pray for that. Lord, take this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. And the practical ramifications of that. Lord, help me to, to smile when I walk into the office and, and see how that, that colleague or that boss who did me wrong the day before. Help me to, to have a heart of flesh in that moment, not a heart of stone. And so many other ways we want to live with, with this... Uh, this energy, really, this, this love of God. That's what we, when we consider this beautiful feast of the sacred heart of Jesus, it always comes back to the love of Christ. It was, the devotion to the sacred heart was made, uh, who would say, you know, popular by St. Margaret Mary Alcoque in the 17th century. She's a, a very humble nun in the order of visitation of Our Lady. She was the servant that our Lord chose to reveal to the world his sacred heart. The, the, the private revelations she, took, she had took place during the years 1673 to 1675. And we know about them from the diary, her diary, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, and the witness of her fellow sisters, and that of her spiritual director, who later would be a saint himself. The first apparition, December 27th, 1673. On the feast of St. John the Evangelist, our Lord came to St. Margaret Mary while she was in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament and granted her the same privilege as he had done to St. Gertrude. This is how St. Margaret Mary describes the event in her, in her autobiography. One day, Having a little more leisure, for occupations confided to me left me scarcely any, I was praying before the Blessed Sacrament. Now, I'll pause right here in her words, that will go on with her words, but just that in itself, she has a little time of leisure. Her vocation is demanding. The, the occupations confided to her left her very little free time, as we call it. And what was she doing with her free time? She was praying before the Blessed Sacrament. Now, of course, we can use our free time as in any noble way that we want, you know, getting some exercise or having a beer with a friend or 
you're doing some reading or listening to music, but let's make sure it's good, at least. <laughs> and here, well, anyway, she's praying before the Blessed Sacrament. When I felt myself wholly penetrated with the divine presence, but to such a degree that I lost all thought of myself and of the place where I was, and abandoned myself to this divine spirit, yielding up my heart to the power of his love. He made me repose for a long time upon his sacred breast, where he disclosed to me the marvels of his love and the inexplicable secrets of his sacred heart, which so far he had concealed from me. So our Lord's revealing something to her, his love, in, in, in a mystical way here. And she will be a messenger of that love of Jesus. Then it was that for the first time he opened to me his divine heart in a manner so real and sensible as to be beyond all doubt by reason of the effects which this favor produced in me, fearful as I always am of deceiving myself in anything that I say of what passes in time. This is a good point too, the humility of St. Margaret Mary here. Not trusting herself, her own visions, if you will, her own ideas. She, she humbly you know, describes it, brings it to her spiritual director. It seems to me that this is what took place. And then she, recounts the first words that Jesus said to her, these words of Jesus in her, in her experience. My divine heart is so inflamed with love for men and for you in particular, that being unable any longer to contain within itself the flames of its burning charity, it must needs spread them abroad by your means and manifest itself to them, to mankind, in order to enrich them with the precious graces of sanctification and salvation necessary to withdraw them from the abyss of perdition. I have chosen you as an abyss of unworthiness and ignorance for the accomplishment of this great design in order that everything may be done by me. He's calling upon Mary, Margaret Mary as a messenger of, of, of his love. And he wants to manifest his love. Is that, there's this burning desire. So we see, of course, you see the image of the sacred heart, right? It's a, a heart on fire, surrounded by a crown of thorns because of our sins, because of my sins. Lord, forgive me. Lord, have mercy on me. Our Lord presents his heart to us for love, and he so often receives disdain or, or, or boredom. Lord, I don't want that to be the case. Give, take this heart of stone, Lord, and give me a heart of flesh. Help me to really love you. And, and that will, again, result in, hopefully, in practical things. Taking time to pray, for example, like we are right now in this beautiful oratory in Manhattan. Taking time to pray. That Here's our Lord opening his heart to us. He wants us to be here. And here we are. Lord, I open my heart to you. My poor limited heart, but I open it to you, Lord. Purify my heart. Help me to really love. 
Help me to be patient with those who bother me. Help me to avoid gossip and critical spirit. Help me to be pure, to have my heart pure. And for you and for others, the way I deal with others, the way I look upon others, to really be pure, the beautiful virtue, purity, heart, a, a pure heart, a humble heart. Our Lord will not disdain. A pure heart will help us to see God. After this, he asked me for my heart, which I begged him to take. And again, let's pause here and not let this be just nice imagery here, but really, Lord, take my heart and, and convert me because I, I keep it for myself way too much. I want to do my thing. I want to have my plans, my preferences, my money, my future. I never really give you my heart, Lord. And, and each one of us in our prayer, okay, what does that mean? How am I going to give, truly give? The Lord, my heart, well, we pray, we pray, be generous. Hey, the gospel today, the mass today, very brief, very powerful gospel. Our Lord with the apostles observing people there in the treasury, a lot of rich people putting in a lot of, a lot of, a lot of money, okay. But then that widow, that poor widow who puts in two coins, which valued, valued not much more than a few pennies. And he points out, look at that. Look at her generosity. She's given everything. That's what our Lord wants of us. In the way that this, this proper, of course, that, that um, seed, it's not in a parable. It happened. Our Lord is there observing with the apostles, this woman put in her two coins. Okay, there's that aspect of it. And I don't know how to really explain at the human level what happened next. I, I, I suppose the Lord provides. She was taken care of. But I think the Lord is also getting at it more deeply, our hearts. Give him everything of your, of your heart. Yes, pay your rent, of course. You know, the Lord doesn't want you to see kicked out in the street, on 34th Street. You know. But give him your heart, whatever that entails. So he asked for my heart, which I begged him to take. St. Mary, Margaret Mary says, he did so and placed it in his own adorable heart, where he showed it to me as a little atom, which was being consumed in this great furnace, and withdrawing it thence as a burning flame in the form of a heart. He restored it to the place whence he had taken it, saying to me, so he's, this burning heart that's been in the heart of Jesus, is, he takes it out, and it's her heart, and he puts it back into her, her own uh, the heart cavity from the place from whence he had taken it, saying to me, my well-beloved, I give you a precious token of my love, having enclosed within your side a little spark of its glowing flames, that, that it may serve you for a heart and consume you to the last moment of your life. Its ardor will never be exhausted, and you will be able to find some slight relief only by bleeding and suffering. If we love the Lord, if we allow the Lord to love us, if we allow him to inflame our hearts, we're going to suffer. The suffering we see in the history of the church, in the history of the saints, it's the martyrs. It's a bit of a touchstone of Christian life. 
If you wish to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross and follow me. You will have to suffer. But at the same time, that is dancing with God. I can assure you, God knows how to dance. I've known a man who danced with God. So St. Husamia, who suffered a lot, and he never complained about it. He never thought of himself as a victim. But he was, he was joyful as a son of God. And, and so we will, if we allow our Lord to take our heart, we'll, we'll suffer, we'll be bleeding. Even this remedy I shall so mark with my cross that it will bring you more humiliation and suffering than alleviation. Wow, that's a tough proposition. Okay, I gave, Lord, I gave my heart. Oh, cons- oh, good, I'll get consolation and warmth and sort of float, maybe levitate. No. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'll take your heart, but you're going to suffer. Humiliation, suffering. And Lord, help me to see you there in those moments. Help me to, to, to embrace the moment, to, to pray. Yes, to cry perhaps, but to really know God is here with me. And that's all that really counts, no matter what might happen. It'll, a testimony of a person who knew uh, St. Josemaria, in this case a bishop, Bishop Jose Lopez Ortiz. He, after the death of Monsignor Escrivá, he, he wrote in his memories of this, of this priest friend, Father, Father Jose Maria. On one occasion, writes the bishop, I was shown an inter- internal document of the Falange, Franco's party, in which he, in which the, in which was grossly slandered. I considered it my duty to show him this document which a friend had lent me. The attacks were so savage that I could not keep myself from crying as he calmly read those sheets. He finished reading. And seeing me so upset, he burst out laughing, saying, Don't worry, Pepe, because everything they say here is false, thank God. But if they knew me better, they could have said far worse things. Because I am nothing more, I am nothing but a wretched sinner who is madly in love with Jesus Christ. And that's the way this future Saint Josemaria handled suffering. In this case, who wants to be slandered? Uh, first reaction is, I'll show them. I'll get back at them. I, but he just, he just takes it in stride. <laughs> Burst out laughing. Instead of tearing up that string of insults, he gave the papers back to me so that, so that my friend could return them to party headquarters, which was where he had taken them from. Take them, he said, and give them to your friend so that he can put them back. And that way they won't start persecuting him. A really supernatural outlook here in the case of suffering by St. Josemaria. And of course, physical suffering too with his diabetes. His eyesight was failing. He had to get bigger missile to celebrate the Mass and see the words. I mean, just all kinds of things, physical, uh, um, financial difficulties throughout. And he's, I'm a son of God. 
calumny like we read about here and this, this, this attacks and this document and so many other ways. Uh, yeah. He said he felt like a spittoon. People seemed to feel the right to spit upon him. But he just kept going. He had his vocation. He had his calling. He was doing God's will. He's a saint in heaven now. So let's not be afraid of the cross. And, and, and know that it, it truly God does. Of course he loves us. And, and he does give us a, a certain peace. With the suffering, but it does give us certain peace when we try to be very close to him. And in whatever way that might be. You know, just as returned yesterday from a priest workshop in, in Florida, Delray Beach, and a fellow named Mike came down to give us some classes on the, the Mass in the early church. We talk about Corpus Christi, tomorrow's fee is beautiful. Right from the beginning, how Christians were celebrating the Mass. But anyway, that's another consideration. Anyway, he has a friend there in the area who came over and joined us on Thursday for Mass in the morning, for breakfast. He sat in on the classes, joined us for lunch, and then a nice get-together after lunch. And he played us some songs. This fellow's name is, you guys might be too young, but I don't know if you're historians of music, the name will ring true. Um, Dion, Dion DeMucci. He's 84 years old now, good trade, great shape. And he had hits in 1961, his big hit, Run Around Sue. A year later, The Wanderer. You look at Spotify, Run Around Sue has 232 million listens or so. Anyway, he's quite a story. Kid from the Bronx, playing on street corners. Talent, his talent was recognized and um, a bit of maybe, I don't know if it was a teenage heartthrob or not, but uh, you know, there he was, pretty, a lot of fame early on, great talent. And, and, and life took its turns, life is tough. And, and you can read about it or look on YouTube videos. He even speaks on EWTN. He got into a heroin addiction early, young. Anyway, he came over and spoke with us. He was with us at mass, with the breakfast. Very natural, just, just down to earth guy, very friendly. And he, he spoke about his gratitude to God, the mercy of God that God showed him and overcoming his addiction and faithful to his wife of 63 years, his sweetheart, from, I don't know, 19 or 20 years old, Sue, Susan. And, but but uh, he, he did not live his Catholic faith, not that it was always that, that well ingrained in him as a child. He liked the priest in the neighborhood there in the Bronx, but never really kept going with the faith, or drifted away. And, but just through, I don't have time to go through this whole story now, but each story has its own, its own reality. No need to compare, but he, like others, had lost his way a bit. And, and thanks be to God, he, he came back. He, he allowed the Lord to, to knock on the door of his heart. And he even describes a moment uh, some years later, 
taking a run and just, what's like you? Really wanted to know. He said, I want to know God. I want to know you. And he, he had this amazing experience running to Jesus, running into, much like, I, I think, like the St. Margaret Mary Alacoque describes her, this, 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 this encounter with Jesus and Sacred Heart. I mean, Dion described running to Jesus there in the, in the street and, and the, where he was running and, and running into him and, and feeling this incredible love. He's, he's, in a sense, the, the, the first time he realized, God loves me. God really loves me. And he ran home, told his wife, Jesus is real. And she goes, yeah, what else is new or something? And she says, yeah, I know he is. It just was really, it really struck him, the, the love of God. And anyway, he's just to hear his story is really something. And then with just, he put out an album in 2020. He's, now he's 84, but he's still going. He's really, he says he feels uh, I don't know, the creativity and... They made an album and sort of inviting other artists that he's known over the years to, to join up and team up on songs. Bruce Springsteen and Peter Frampton and Ricky Lee Jones, Paul Simon. This is really, and he wants to, and he and he he wants to be Christ. I mean, he wants to help people find Christ. Everyone, not just these artist friends, but everyone. He's just the real naturalness about him. Not preachy, anyway. Yeah, we get the idea. Let's let the let's allow this. Let's run into the sacred heart of Jesus. Let's let, allow that love of Jesus to touch us. It takes humility, and to allow the Lord to convert us, and 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 to dance with us. Well, says our blessed Mother. Of course, she will help us to get to that sacred heart of Jesus. After the feast of the sacred heart of Jesus, we'll have on Friday. The next day is the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The great devotions we have in our Catholic faith to help us along the way. That's what helped Dion. He just started to read the Church Fathers. He'd come back to Jesus a bit through some evangelical friends, but then he kept reading. And he's loved St. Jerome and St. Augustine. He goes, wow, this is it. This, he really had appreciation for the way the early Church lived. And he's like, Came back to his Catholic faith, how good God is. And certainly through this, this uh, devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, to the immaculate heart of Mary, we too can find it, we can experience that intense, fiery love of Jesus Christ. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you've communicated in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.